Let's, uh, let's go to the text. Let's pray. Father, as we turn to your word, we don't turn to your word, we turn to you. The Almighty, the Everlasting, the God who provides, the one who will never leave nor forsake. Lord, you know all of our needs. You know those in this room that have already gone through what Joy and I are going through. You know what kind of an emotional reaction that produces. I pray you would meet that need right now. Lord, I pray that you would prepare each person as I'm looking out. Each one here, Father, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But, Father, I pray that you would make us ready to receive it as from your hand. We don't understand. We certainly don't agree half the time. But, Father, when it comes down to a settled emotional state, Help us to understand you are good. That nothing happens without your okay. Father, as we open your word, I pray for those here, those listening, that your word would bless them as it has me. Lord, that it would touch them in a way similar to the way it's touched me. That we would see you differently, not just to sing about you, but to sing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's look at Psalm 23. What I'd like to do is read through the whole thing. Um, There are other psalms that would take about 40 minutes to read through. But this one only has six verses, so you're lucky. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows, runs over. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a couple of things I want to talk about in particular. I think this is probably one of the more well-known psalms. Um, I was 
going to have you uh, choose different ones who were brave enough to raise your hand uh, to start Psalm 23 because you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at the number of people that start at verse 4 where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. They're missing the point. They're missing a really, really big point. Let's take a look at the text. And, and again, I've said this before as I've preached. This is not the sermon I started with. In fact, this is not the sermon that I had four days ago when I accidentally deleted my first one. And I started reciting Psalm 23, I shall not want. But verse 1, I think is crucial. Um, if you have your Bibles or if you, if you at some point look in your Bibles, you may find that that center word, the Lord is my shepherd. That word is maybe in italics, maybe parentheses, bracketed. The reason that is, is because it's not in the Hebrew. Translators did that for whatever reason. I guess for English speakers or whatever, it maybe flowed a little better. The way it actually reads in the Hebrew is the Lord, my shepherd. At first, you may not really see a whole big difference there. But if you think about the way we speak, the way we use that word is, it's a to be verb. Joy told me that. But the way I read that, it's like this possessive thing. If we were to go outside and you were to ask me which one's my car, I say, uh, that's, that's my car. That is my car. And it sounds like I own it. And I do. Don't take it. But when David penned this, that word Lord is Jehovah. The one true God. The existing one. Existing from forever in the past, which, you know, how far back is that? It's pretty far. And forever moving forward. The existing one. My shepherd. My shepherd. When we found all this out... Um, you're in, you're in construction building I used to do a little bit of that and you would get a call you'd go out you'd estimate materials time and it became your job if they accepted your bid that is my job 
But I want you to understand, it's all God's job. The whole thing. David understood about sheep. He was that little shepherd boy we used to sing about in Sunday school. Hear about. David is not and recognizes rightfully so that he is not the dominant person. When we pray, we go to the existing one. And we're asking. The Lord is my shepherd. It seems like David's up here. Oh, he's my God. Like he's my mechanic. He's my contractor. Uh Uh-uh. I hope you think about this the rest of your lives. That Jehovah, my shepherd. I hope you think about it in that way. My shepherd. What's the basic thing that a shepherd does? How do shepherds work? They lead. Where you lead me, I will follow. We forget that sometimes. Yeah, God's given each one of us gifts, abilities, talents, you name it. But there's going to be a time where that's not going to be nearly enough. Some of you know that already. How many of you would raise your hand if I asked you, have you ever come to the end of I can't do anymore. I can't figure it out. I don't know what my next step is. I've reached that with joy. I don't have anything but my love for God and my love for her. That's it. You see, the shepherd, it's interesting, obviously, that David used the word shepherd. Yes, he's called king. He's called Lord. Rightfully so. But how much sweeter, more emotionally tender, that David would call him shepherd. David, the one who fought off some pretty big animals and won. I like that part. Maybe it's typical male. Maybe it's just typical human. We like a good ending. But understand this. If we say and we read... And we try in some way acknowledge Psalm 23 is our own. You better understand that as shepherd, he leads. How many of you are good at planning, Christine? (laughs) Stop looking around. (laughs) We're all good at stuff. But he leads his sheep. If they let him, 
You see, in the end of the psalm, it talks about the rod and the staff. The staff, the shepherd's crook, you're all familiar with it. It's that hook deal that they would retrieve Junior by the neck or some other body part because it wasn't listening. And he doesn't do it roughly. If you want to lead, there's a couple of ways to do it, but there's one that's really good, and it's lead by loving, not by fear. Psalm 23, I can't find fear in there except fear of the outside, fear of the unknown. But as shepherd, he leads the sheep by his voice, and they follow. Going through this the last couple of months, a <laughs> little admission here, I have hearing aids. I'm not wearing them right now, but uh, I have hearing aids, all right? Um, I don't know if it's heredity or working in boiler rooms, mechanical rooms, they can get a little noisy. But the voice of God, you don't need hearing aids. You need an open heart. You need a willingness to hear. In Scripture where it says, be still and know that I am God. Listen for that still, small voice. That means we're listening day in, day out. For that still, small voice. Because you're going to need it. If you don't need it right now. I'd be real careful. Because Satan would seek to destroy, rob you of your faith. The shepherd takes his sheep to pasture lands for nourishment. Where are you getting yours? Where are you getting your nourishment? Okay? Some people treat their Bibles and their quiet time with God like they're on a Jenny Craig diet. You know? They portion it out. You know? And and, and, and they're trying to be like, you know, okay, well, I did enough. Did you read your Bible? Yes. How long? Oh, good four or five minutes. Don't starve yourself. The shepherd will not starve you. He's given you His Word and He's given you His Spirit. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who is our teacher, our guide, our comforter, all those things. And then He has given us His Word on top of it that we could understand. Listen to what's being taught. And he always makes sure, the shepherd always makes sure that they have water to drink. Remember that, that woman at the well? Oh, if you drink of the water I'm, I'm giving, said Jesus, you'll never thirst. You'll never thirst. Because that's a dry and weary land out there. That's a wilderness, a desert. But Jesus talked about rivers of living water 
bubbling up within us and coming out. Joy and I have been able to share our faith in Christ to a good number of people through this experience. We don't supply the water, but we know the one who does. And it's our job to share that water giver with others. And the shepherd also provides safety for his sheep, even if they don't recognize it. The last verse in this psalm says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. How many of you spend time really thinking about how short life is? Go ahead, raise your hand. Nobody's doing it. Okay, oh good, I got a couple of takers. I, uh, Christine, I, I kind of lied when you were asking if there were other anniversaries and stuff. Fifteenth of this month, Joy and I will be celebrating 46 years. <laughs> Over those years, I have wondered why Joy stayed with me. Over and over, I wondered. But that's the beginning of verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness. God through her. Wasn't always a pastor. Wasn't always a Christian counselor. Didn't always go to church. I didn't. There was never a time I didn't believe in God and believe in Jesus. But I only kind of listened once in a while. I don't want to divulge too much information. You'll throw me out. But as you get older, you begin to see there are certain things that are way more important than others. And knowing Jehovah, the existing one, as shepherd, the shepherd of your soul, the shepherd of your life. That word Lord, yes, it's a translation of the word Jehovah. But there are other uses of the word Lord, and it meant ruler. Ruler. There are two types of subjects, the willing and the unwilling. And we live in a time of lawlessness, brutal lawlessness, where many people have no Lord over them but their own sinful appetite. One day they will meet this shepherd. Those of you who know him need to know him more. Need to search him out every moment of every day. Pray constantly without ceasing. 
And just to, you know, as a disclaimer so I don't get sued, you can pray when you're driving, just keep your eyes open. Okay? But we need to seek Him, not just in the emergency. That, that uh, saying, there's no atheists in foxholes, there shouldn't be atheists going into the foxhole because we are all in some kind of foxhole. Just make sure you're prepared for how deep it might get. Prepare now. Prepare now. That the shepherd leads, guides them, those sheep, to pastures, water, and provides safety. Maybe that was what was going through David's mind as he wrote the end of verse 1 where he says, I shall not want. I would like that by the time I get home, joy is healed. I would love to hear that news. But that word want is really the word need. I will have need of nothing. Everyone in here will face God. You're either going to face him through death or through the rapture. And just to let you know, Joy and I are praying fervently for the rapture. Fervently. But we're also praying for the unsaved who come, who need to come to this same shepherd the one that shepherds joy and I and everyone in this room who is a believer, everyone who is watching. He's the same shepherd. This word, want, is really need. But to make that statement... Make that statement that I shall not want really is just a huge, powerful declaration of David's trust in God. He trusts him. And I believe that trust is developed over time. David had seen and experienced a lot from that gracious hand of the Good Shepherd in his life. Maybe David was reflecting. I know he was inspired to write this. That's what Scripture says. But as he was putting these words down, Was he seeing the the movies of his past? And was he able to write that because he was absolutely certain? There, there, oh, that whole thing. 
Was he saying that because of personal recollection? I believe so. I believe so. But I want, I want to take a look at something here. If you could pull up, okay, there's verse 2. I want you guys to look at verse 2. I want to see verses 2 and 3. After that, I'm going to jump to verse 4. Or excuse me, verse 5. Verse 5. Verse 2 says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me for his name's sake. Go to verse 5. And it says, you. He went from doing this, telling people he does this and he does that. Verse 5, he's turned and he is talking to his shepherd. You prepare a table for me, no matter where I am, even in difficulty. You anoint my head with oil. You see the change? He went from talking about to talking to this shepherd. This shepherd. I think it's very important that you see that. Verse 4, verse 4 says this, even though I walk, and here he gets into his personal present type of situation, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's remembered who this one is called the shepherd. This one that the Hebrews called Jehovah. The existing one. He was without creation, without beginning. They know he's without end. For you are with me. Well, great. Joy and I are not alone in what we're facing. Neither have you and neither will you be alone. But again, the big thing is to listen and to let God shepherd. That's what he does. That's who he is. That little tiny passage, I think it's the shortest. God is is love. He shepherds perfectly. Why? Because he loves every one of us perfectly. Perfectly. David understood who was in charge, who was in command of his life. David knew about sheep and how shepherding worked. Shepherd leads from the front. Be careful you don't put God as an accessory. He needs to be in the driver's seat. Always. Those sheep, they follow willingly. Will you? Will I? I know a lot of you are praying for Joy and I. And uh, I'm asking 
you to pray that you would cause God to lead us. Help us not to get in the way. I could be here for probably another month or so telling you all about the times where I didn't let God lead. And every one of those times did not turn out well. All but one. It's when I stopped at Wawa for a pretzel. <laughs> lost sheep cry pitifully. Do you ever hear lost sheep, maybe personally or, or on TV? Oh, it's the saddest thing. When they're lost, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're in pain, they're in danger. When they go off on their own way... Bad things happen. But they have been given an instinctual knowledge, just like every one of us, to cry out, to cry out for help. Will you? Will you cry out for help? I'm not ashamed to say I'm crying out for help. If any of you can actually heal joy, please see me after service. But other than that, I'm asking you to keep praying. That joy and I keep listening. And that God does a miraculous thing, even if he has to use doctors. Even if he has to use chemo. God doesn't need them but he may be choosing to use them. Chemo versus miracle. I know what I'm choosing. I love this. It's in John 10, John 10, 11. This is Jesus. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I heard this a long time ago, and I've looked it up and, 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 and done you know due diligence. Maybe you've heard it too. But here Jesus is describing himself as the shepherd, the good one, the capitalized, indicating singularity. He's the good one. There's a lot of shepherds out there. We know that. We've heard about churches that are being shepherded by apostate pastors teaching heresy. Tell me the last time God led you wrong. Why do we study this thing? To know if the person standing up here, including me, is getting a little off. Because we know the one who never goes off. He's the good shepherd. Let him shepherd you. Gives his life. Gives his life for us. He's been doing it for a long time. He finalized it in the Gospels 2,000 years ago. The good shepherd laid down his life. Why? Why? To heal us from disease? No, he did that early on. That wasn't why he was here. 
He came for good teachings. No, he gave those along the way. But every one of them was pointing to his deity. That's why David can conclude in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Man, when we have a hold of God, like that woman with the issue of blood, just touch the little bottom of his hem. Healed. There's a day. There's a day. I wish that there was stuff in Scripture about that woman. Maybe a complete chapter or two. There isn't. Because all that we needed to know was that the touch of Jesus is enough for healing. Verse 6 says it, Goodness and love, mercy, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we touch the hem of Jesus' garment in belief, when we come to him as not just a healer, but as a saving shepherd, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, when we come to him in that way, we are healed. We will all die. Or be raptured. But that's okay. Because David ends it this way. I will. I hope. I might. I'm almost certain. No, he says I will. It's a declarative sentence. I will. Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you here are members of God's kingdom. Every hand. Every hand. Is the king here? No. He's in heaven. Is he coming back? Apparently fairly soon. That's why we can say I will. Because the Good Shepherd declared early on in those books we call the Pentateuch. When Moses said, who, who do I say sent me? And God used three letters. I am. I am. I get goosebumps every time I think about that passage. There is more power in those three little words or three little letters. And I am is the Lord, Jehovah. I am is the shepherd. And I am is all that I or you will ever need. And at this point, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, that you know every person here by name. You know their inward parts. You created them. You knit us together, Father. 
You called us to be a part of your eternal family. Jesus said where he was going, he was preparing, but he's coming back. That where he is, we would be also. John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Father, I pray that the unsaved, by your miraculous touch, by the exposure of yourself to a hardened heart, would make a difference, an eternal difference. Strengthen and guide us, Father. I thank you that when we all get to heaven, the song says what a day of rejoicing that will be. In the meantime, Father, help us to stay focused. Help us to stay mindful. Help us to know how and to do love very well that we might look a little bit more like the Good Shepherd. Thank you for your word, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.